It's another edition of Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations, stlmasses.com. You know them, you love them. I'll talk about them in a little bit. I had so many people, so many, okay, two people said they love the old interviews. So one more clip show before I start doing some more uh, new interviews. Uh, These are from back in the day when I did a public access show. I want to thank Ben Tinsley. Do some shout outs here. We'll get do some thankful shout-outs. Thanksgiving weekend as I record this, what I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful for listeners. Nick Warner out in Australia with his, uh, his dad listening here in the States. He tells his dad to listen to these, so I appreciate that. I'm thankful for everyone. Jean Rourke, she's a big listener. John Watson, thank you guys for listening. Matt Willett, you guys are great. But on to the show. Today uh, I'm going to play some old interviews. We'll start with uh, Harry Carey. Came through the St. Louis area in 1997. He was a Cubs announcer, and uh, after the Cubs won the World Series, it was nice to see a a tribute made by Budweiser as he kind of called that game, and uh, it was so neat to see Harry Carey come through. So let's go back to 1997 and listen to an interview I did with Harry Carey back in 1997. All right, we're with the legend, Harry oh, Carey. The legend. The legend. They're dead. I'm alive. Well, Harry, I think you're a legend. Been around for 51 years now? 52 years. 52, man. Got to uh, get your facts straight, right? I'll, I'll, I'm going to do some reporting now. <laughs> Did you bring this heat with you? That's what I want to know. Do what? Did you bring the heat with you here? Oh, boy. Well, you know, I was born and raised here, so I'm well accustomed to the heat in uh, St. Louis at this time of the year. Let me ask you a question. Now, we know you're a diehard Cardinal fan and a diehard Cub fan. Oh, I'm a diehard Cub fan, and I tell you, uh, the only uh, game that I'm interested in is the Cubs' victory. I hate to see them lose. After that, I might check the St. Louis Cardinals uh, game. But to, to call me a diehard Cardinal fan, that's not true, and I'm not. And I hope the Cubs beat them 18 to nothing every time they play them. Harry, you don't want me to throw you off this thing. I'm a diehard Cardinal fan, and we know that you used to be here. Well, you what's, gotta... what's that got to do with it? I've, I've, I've been in Chicago now longer than I've ever was here. I broadcasted Cardinals for 25 years. This is my 26th year of broadcasting in Chicago. Do you like being a celebrity? I saw you when you walked out of here last night. Uh, 200 fans just cheering you on as you came out. Look like uh, maybe Hootie and the Blowfish. How does that feel for you? Oh, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> I love them, boy. You know, they're, uh, there's, uh, some of the members are from Chicago. Uh, you know, I don't know how to answer that. Of course, I'm, uh, you know, it's pleasant. It's certainly more pleasant than being booed. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you've seen the players uh, back in the 40s and 50s and 60s and now up here to the 90s. Do you think the players are better and stronger today because the, the balls are just going out of the ballparks, or do you think it's a, a juice ball? Oh, the juice ball. That's a lot of silliness. Uh, the ball play, everything's bigger and stronger and faster today, so the ball players must be bigger and stronger and faster. Whether they're as uh, uh, endowed with the determination and the conscientiousness of winning every day, uh, I don't know. They make so much money, it maybe doesn't make any difference whether they win or they lose. But the talent of the ball players is even better today, I think, than it used to be. You know, back in the uh, back in your day, you like Stan Musial. Uh, who is it your favorite player today? Well, Stan Musial is still my favorite ball player today, and, and you know, it, 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 every generation there are 
uh, great ball players. You know, as you go down through the years, every 20, 25 years, when that period is over, uh, there's three or four guys that you always remember. Now, the great Henry Aaron, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Henry, uh, I mentioned the Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, Stan Musial. You don't replace those kind of guys. But look, look at the present-day ball player. We've got Ryan Sandberg, perhaps the greatest second baseman I've ever seen. Young Ken Griffey, uh, Frank Thomas, Barry Bond. Uh, 25 years from now, I'd have be talking about them the way I'm talking about the other guys. Now, how much longer do you think you want to do this? Uh, you know, 52 years, how much longer do you think you want to go? Well, as long as the good Lord uh, wants me to do it, I'm going to continue. I like to die with my boots on because I love the game. The game's been good to me. I think I'm being good, good for the game. And uh, whenever the man upstairs says, Harry, it's time, I'll be glad to go up there or down there, whatever, whatever the case might be. And I'm not taking any odds on that. I think it's going to be the big baseball park in the sky. Harry, thanks a lot. Thank and, you very uh, much. We'll be back. Okay. Can we just get you to... That was Harry Carey. So much fun to talk to him, and uh, that was true. Honestly, when he came out of that booth, anytime he was in town, there was literally a stanchion put up, and there was a mob scene of fans waiting for Harry, and they're chanting his name, and I don't think any other announcer will ever have that type of, uh, of, of crowd waiting for him. We'll move on to another interview. Uh, this is from 1995. I talked to Bill Maher. I wasn't a great interviewer then, maybe still am not now, but uh, it was fun to talk to Bill Maher, who was in town for a Bob Costas event. Bill Maher, always pithy. I like the word pithy. And uh, so the questions aren't great, but I like I like the answers to this one. So here's uh, Bill Maher. As I was trying to stick with the sports slant since uh, he was in town for a Bob Costas thing and I was doing a sports cable access show at the time. Interview I did with Bill Maher back in 1995. Ready? you a big sports fan or anything? Uh, less than I used to be, but that's by design. Okay, well then we'll talk about that. We're with the very funny Bill Maher, comedian and host of Politi Politically Incorrect. How often do you come into St. Louis? Uh, not as often as I would like. Uh, I, <laughs> I was here at the Fox Theater uh, when you were like in third grade. I don't know. I, I don't know when the last time I was here, but I had a good time, I'm sure. Did you ever uh, have any fantasies of playing sports when you were a youngster, like being a pro basketball, pro baseball? Oh, yeah. When I was, sure. When I was uh, seven, I remember my father taking me out of school. It must have been like first grade to go to Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's a vivid memory. I probably was seven years old. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I remember uh, summers having a flannel Yankee uniform that I wouldn't take off and my mother would say it's hot out I'd be sweating but I wouldn't take off the the and then when I was uh, a little older Joe Pepitone was my hero that's, uh, that's your sports the sports heroes Joe Pepitone well that, that shows how my values changed <laughs> uh, when did you decide to go into comedy uh, right after I sort of stopped being interested that much in sports why did you stop being interested in sports any one reason somebody put you down or what happened no no I, I like playing sports but uh, I was 12 years old in 1968, and, you know, it was, like, much more interesting and cooler to be a part of the counterculture. Sports was kind of like the establishment thing, and then, you know, the hippies were more into other things, and, you know, my, my music, you know, I mean, there were no, like, music people who were also interested in sports. Today there are. 
but you sort of had to choose up sides, and for a while there, I went the other way. Obviously, comedians make great salaries, but the baseball players, football players make over you know $8 million these days. What do you think of these salaries just keep escalating? Well, I mean, you know, I, I'd be hypocritical to say don't go for everything you get because they're entertainers just like we are, and you go for everything you can get. Uh, I mean, and also, I mean, George Burns, uh, who uh, shares a birthday with me, January 20th. Um, He's a little older, though. He is exactly 60 years older, uh, still working. Okay, I don't think these guys will be working when they're 99. I don't know if I'll be, but what I'm saying is that, you know, they got to make it real fast because their average lifespan is 5, 10 years, whereas I'll be working, you know, hopefully, uh, well, not, not, not when I'm like Bob Hope, but, you know, close. Now, last question. Uh, do you have any, any opinions on the baseball strike at all since you're not really a sports fan hardly anymore? Well, I had Bob Costas, who's hosting this event tonight on my show in Washington about a month ago, and we were talking about that. And uh, my position was basically uh, that America is way too hooked on sports, spends too much time on sports, and therefore I don't think the strike is the worst thing. I mean, if people get to know their wives again, if they read a book again, uh, if they watch my show more, whatever they do, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to get... I mean, sports are great. I think it's too much. I've been to Chicago during the playoffs, uh, you know, Someone could be killed. They don't care. They don't care. Bowls, bowls, bowls. You know, it's a little too much. Put it in perspective with sports. That's what I say. That's great, Bill. Thanks a lot. Okay. So that was fun to listen to. Bill Maher uh, doing his thing, being a funny guy, and appreciate his time, and still has a funny show, still has that, that attitude, which good for him. Again, you're listening to Baseball and Beyond. I appreciate it. Thankful for you listening to this, as uh, you always do. Coming up in the next couple weeks, uh, some local St. Louis media celebrities. That'll be the D- December-January slant. Joe Buck has agreed to come on, so hopefully that'll be next week's podcast as we talk about his book. And once again, I'll plug that book. If you uh, are thinking about a holiday item, a Christmas item, for someone out there, that is, it is so good. It took me uh, four days to listen to. I'm not much of a reader. But I did enjoy the audiobook, and uh, if you do like audiobooks, Joe does the storytelling himself, and it is great. So I look forward to having Joe on this podcast next week. Uh, we continue. Uh, you know what? This one, I again, I, I don't like my questions, but it is fun to hear Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller was coming through town uh, again at a Bob Costas event, and uh, a young Brad went up to him, and and he uh, he didn't seem to want to do the interview, but he did it anyway. And, uh, again, it's just fun to hear this guy. This is just Dennis Miller being Dennis Miller back from 1994. All right, we're with Dennis Miller. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, real good. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. right. I'm a little hungry, I guess. Yeah. You'll be doing the ESPYs on Monday. Are you excited about doing that? Yeah, it's fun. Really? Yeah, it'll be my second year. and I think Bill Murray's going to be there again. I always have fun seeing Bill. I think Letterman's doing it, too. Really? So it should be pretty cool. On uh, Tuesday, you'll be on Letterman. Uh, you're going to enjoy that, too, I guess. Well, you know, Letterman's are... Um, you should do well on Letterman if you want to keep being on Letterman. <laughs> so there's always a little tension there. When you were a kid, who were your sports heroes? Roberto Clemente. Brad. Where's the aunt? Bradshaw. And uh, I always like Dr. J. 
Did you, uh, now, as you look, do you think there's any players that compare to the ones that you liked when you were a child? No, it's all about bread now. You know, they're better athletes, but, you know, it's a money thing. It's business. It's not fun anymore. When you look at Jordan trying to play baseball now, after he said just about three months ago that he wants to get out of the spotlight, what do you think about when you see that? I think we all want to butt out of everybody else's life. Everybody. I think if he wants to come in here and do this job, we should let him if he wants to. Unless you're better than him, we can keep him out of it. You know what I mean? I got gotcha. you. Everybody worries about what everybody else is doing. I could care less. If he wants to run for president tomorrow, then good. Good for him. You know, every time they say Michael Jordan will never be able to play baseball, I think of Mickey Lolich's midsection. I've seen some real big, fat guys play baseball. Michael Jordan's probably the greatest athlete who ever lived, so why not give him a shot? Uh, and the last thing is you got a new HBO talk show. Is yeah. this going to be any different from the one that you did before? Or is it I don't know. Less guests, more me. Where are you? I'm going to interview me, America. It's going to be funny then, obviously. Well, I hope. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, man. Thank you. So, questions weren't great, answers weren't great, but I did interview Dennis Miller. That that clip is up on uh, YouTube also, and I'll put this on the uh, blog that I normally do, Baseball and Beyond blog that I do at bradsportspage.blogspot.com, companion blog to the podcast. Again, once again, always thank our sponsors, Masses Restaurants, five locations in the St. Louis area, stlmasses.com to find menus, find directions. It's a great place for a romantic getaway dinner, a great place for a group outing, holidays coming up, you want to have all your friends together, you can just sit around the bar, talk to those bartenders, they're a hoot. Your waiters, your waitresses, they'll be attentive, they'll be fun, they'll get your orders right, and the food is just delicious, and there's so much to pick from. From pastas to St. Louis pizzas. The Big Al special. It's huge. And it's so good. It's huge. Donald Trump loves it. All right, last interview I'm going to play. Thank you to Masses for being our sponsors. Uh, Dan Deardorff. Talked to him a lot back in the day. Always was uh, great to me. And uh, St. Louis legend. And so uh, I did a bunch of interviews with him. So maybe if I do another clip show, we'll, we'll go back to some Dan Deardorff interviews. But uh, this one I did back in 1998. Hosted a show with my uh, buddy Jeff Sterneman, and uh, Dan made the trek to Florissant, Missouri, where the studio was at that time. And the first question I talk about was just playing for a a losing team. He didn't lose uh, a lot in his career at Michigan or even high school. He comes to the Cardinals, and the team was not good. So we talk about that. Jeff asks about Conrad Dobler, and then uh, we just get a fun story. Dan Deordorff from 1998. I remember uh, in 1973, it was my third year in the league, and we were on our way to our third consecutive 4-9-1 and one season. And it was Don Coriel's uh, first year in St. Louis. Uh, and I lost more football games my rookie year with the Cardinals than I'd lost my entire high school and collegiate career put together in those nine losses. And then this was the third year of losing. And, you know, you really start to doubt yourself, and you really start to wonder if it's ever going to turn around. And, you know, you just need one game. You need one good thing to happen to you to start to believe. And we had to go to play, we had to go down and play the Atlanta Falcons late in the 73 season. Jim Hart was hurt, and we knew the only way we could win was to just run the football. We threw the football five times. In an NFL football game, we attempted five passes, 
and we beat the Falcons, and we beat them handily down in Atlanta. And, you know, that gave us something. That's where our offensive line was born. And that gave us something to build on the entire offseason. And then we kick off 74 with seven straight wins. At this. But, you know, that's what the Rams need. You know, they just need one good thing to happen to them. And, and maybe they can take that and use that as, as a launching pad. I'd like to say I remember that Falcons game, but uh, I wasn't Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't mean born. to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, hear the, you hear the... This is the last time I'll be here. <laughs> you, hear the, you hear all the stories about Conrad Dobler. Uh, and uh, and actually, I think at one point uh, it, when he was with Buffalo, they had a, a cover story on, on Sports Illustrated, the right. dirtiest man in the league. I mean, what what was it, what was it like playing with a guy like that? Obviously, he was uh, uh, as intense as, as anyone. Yeah, he knew. was intense, and he was uh, he was uh, a ferocious uh, competitor. Conrad uh, Conrad wanted to win more than he wanted to eat or breathe or anything else, and. Um, uh, you know, I always pay Conrad uh, the uh, ultimate compliment, uh, only when he's not around. Because he, <laughs> he can't handle compliments in person. <laughs> Conrad was the type of a player because of his attitude and because of his his approach and his intensity. He made all the other players around him better. He was just one of those guys that that played and practiced so hard that a lot of guys took a cue from Conrad and said, "You know, I need to I need to get this." I need to take my game to a little higher level. Even if I don't have the skill level, I can I can play harder. I can run around and I can knock people down and I can I can I can raise a ruckus, which is what Conrad did. And you know what? Whether it was here in St. Louis or in New Orleans or in Buffalo, uh, the three cities where he played, every one of their offensive lines was better after he got there than it was before. I see. The thing I like to do with if we have a guest, a couple weeks ago we had Ricky Horton of the Cardinals. And he kind of gave us a story about the clubhouse. Do you have one story, something inside the clubhouse that maybe fans would have never known, a practical joke, something that you saw happen that you'll never forget to, to this day? I mean, something pretty special, something on the road, something in the hotel room, something that just happened that, as a football player, professional guy, that no one else would know. Well, we had a defensive end, John Zook, who, who found a... Uh, he found about a two-foot garter snake one time at Forest Park, <laughs> and he brought it to the locker room, and, and, and he lived with us in the locker room for the better part of a month. He was a good little guy, and we, we, we really took care of him. We really liked him, and, 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 and one day uh, I was going to be interviewed by Gary Bender, uh, who was at Channel 4 at the time, and uh, I, I had the, I had the uh, snake in my hand. It was cold outside. And uh, I, 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 Gary's leaned up next to me, and I'm real close to Gary, and I just kind of open my hand, and the snake takes off up my shoulder and goes on across and starts up Gary's shoulder. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Gary's interviewing me, and he's all of a sudden, this thing comes up in his field of vision, which is... <laughs> and, and Gary almost jumped out of his skin. Uh, the, uh, the bad news was it was about 20 degrees outside, and... The poor, the poor snake. You know they're cold blooded, mm. and, and that was a little much for him. And he, he got straight as a board. <laughs> we ran him in. We ran him into the sauna. We took him into the sauna, and we're all in the sauna rubbing him. And he, he was fine, you know. And for all you animal rights people, he was just fine. And uh, we had a little ceremony about a month later where we took him back to the park and let him go. He was. Good guy. A pet snake. A pet snake. An inspiration. Skeezes, that's what we get. I don't know where that name came from, but uh, oh, he he made, he made the trip around the locker room. That's what, every guy in that locker room didn't like snakes. All of a sudden, they he, liked them now. Well, they 
They got to the <laughs> media. <laughs> <laughs> what did the media guy do? I guess Gary Bender. Obviously. Gary? Usually media guys are, but I know Gary's kind of a, a tougher media guy, but I know some of the other guys. We started over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because one minute Gary was there, and the next minute he wasn't. Uh, and a long plane. It wasn't live. I wouldn't do oh, it. Oh, it wasn't live. I don't know. Well, well it might have been better. Might have been. No, I don't. Okay. Um, and we know that over your career you had a lot of injuries, so health-wise, how are you? I know you have a... Is a how am I doing? You have a hip right. replacement coming up? Is that no, I had a, I, I've already had uh, okay. my hip replaced, and uh, uh, I'll probably end up having to have a knee replaced uh, before it's over with. But you know what? I uh, part of that is uh, we did something back then that the, nobody would think about doing now. It, it would qualify as uh, uh, cruel and un unusual punishment. We practiced every day on astroturf. Uh, we 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 even had training camp. We even had two a days on artificial surface. Uh, uh, what we did with the Cardinals back in the 70s with training camp out at Lindenwood on uh, artificial surface and then practicing every day on the floor of Bush Stadium on that stuff, uh, that barbaric. Uh, there's not a player in the league that would put up with that uh, now. And when I look back on it, uh, uh, you know, we just didn't know any better. And uh, it, it, it damaged all of us. Conrad's already had a knee replaced. Tom Brahaney's already had a hip replaced. And uh, none of us are even 50 yet. That's all. It's awful. It, it was a uh, it was a travesty. And well, you know, I hope you do well because you got to cook, right? How's the food? I, uh, you know, I've got to get down there. The fact they're firing up the broiler for me right now. I've got to get down there and get my apron on. Brad. The most creative <laughs> commercial. I'm thinking of a steak. I think every. Do how many people come up to you and say that? Well, it's all you can hope for is that you come up with something that uh, people can uh, can remember and. Uh, and you know, in a, in a business where uh, where people uh, restaurants come and go, and the average lifespan of a restaurant is about nine or ten months, uh, we opened our restaurant at Westport Plaza in August of 1983. Uh, it's over 15 years old, and uh, we opened downtown at Union Station in 1985, and we've just moved that restaurant over next to Bush Stadium there at Seventh and Market. So uh, we've been in the business a long time. We've uh, We've sold a lot of steaks. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm not thinking of. I'm thinking of millions of steaks. <laughs> well, it's good that you've had such a great career with everything you've done. Monday Night Football looks great, sounds great. You work with great people, Al Michaels, one of the best, and the whole crew. Yeah, we're we're real proud of what we do, and uh, you know, it's an institution. It was an institution before I got there. It'll be an institution after I'm gone. And anybody who doesn't savor the time they're on that package is a fool. Always a pleasure to talk to Dan. Dan's still doing Michigan football games and still living in the area. A legend in St. Louis. Worked here uh, as a, obviously a football cardinal and then uh, KMOX and then on to Monday Night Football. And I think he was there during kind of the, the second glory days of, of Monday Night Football. The franchise has kind of hit the tank since then, but uh, always fun to hear from Dan Deardorff. And that's going to do it for today's show. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoy the clip shows. I know folks out there have told me they have, so... Uh, you know, I just try to keep the people happy, the people that listen to the podcast. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen. Hopefully you've uh, checked out some of the older ones. Ozzie Smith, I thought, was wonderful. Vince Coleman was a great storyteller. Brian Jordan, Terry Pendleton, Bob Costas. And I uh, appreciate all those folks for spending some time. Hopefully you're enjoying these, and I'll keep trying to do them here throughout the winter. Grab some blues, guys. We'll talk hockey. Bernie Federko was one of uh, one of my favorites. 
Everyone said he talked real fast. I said that that's how Bernie is. Bernie is passionate and he loves to talk. So hopefully you're enjoying these. I appreciate you listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. Help me out. Say, hey, this is a great podcast. We want to see it in the top 100 podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Baseball and Beyond. Follow me on Twitter at Brad Strobinger, and we'll talk to you soon.